This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. to Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. I'm Poonam Verma. On the show today, we're going to give you some top tips from a serial entrepreneur. Also, some matchmaking tips from two experts because dating out there is a jungle. If you're planning a wedding, we've got a great idea to enjoy the day, but also save the planet at the same time. And if you're trying to lose weight after the holidays, Healthy Hanaya is here to help. Make sure you tune in every weekday from 2 to 5 p.m. So did you eat way too much yesterday? I did. I just had a friend call me saying she literally cannot get out of bed. She's so tired because obviously her eyes were bigger than her stomach. Well, Healthy Hania is with us. She's a weight loss expert and Ayurvedic health coach and personal trainer to find out what could be sabotaging our weight loss goals without realising. But I think I realise what my weight It's just... You know my excuse, Hania? It's Christmas. So if I'm about to eat a third mince pie, I'm like, it's Christmas. That's like the ad lib going on in my head. So that's my sabotaging excuse, which I think is fine. Look, I think (laughs) it's all about the way you, the perspective that you have on your food and on this festive season. Like, I mean, for us, it's been like weddings after weddings, this whole like weekend and, you know, eating at like rich dinners at hotels. And so the whole thing is that what it, it... In my opinion, if you have a flexible mindset towards your food, just generally speaking, you won't feel so obligated to just eat the next one and have like FOMO of the food, which is in front of you, right? Yeah, well, I'm very good. I listen to my body more than anything, more than what my eyes are telling me to pick up. And and I know now that if, you know, if less, I don't like buffets, but let's say if I am at a place and there's like 10 dishes, I will pick maybe just a little bit of everything just so I try it rather than put a whole plate but a lot of people, you know, the eyes do lead the way when it comes to eating, especially around this kind of time. Um, how, how do we like balance that out or is that not possible? No, I mean, I think what you're doing is great. That's what I do as well. Because if you go to like buffets or even if somebody has a big like table laid out, there's like 20 desserts. You obviously can't have normal portions of each one. What I do is I try to pick like two, three things that are the most tempting to me. Mm. And then sometimes you don't even like something. So you can just move on anyways. Yeah. Um, and then oftentimes, you know, like you're saying, like your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Than your stomach. So if you just eat slowly and mindfully, you can actually, you know, sort of process that satisfaction. Um, and then, you know, your mind registers, that, oh, this is yummy. And like, I appreciate this. It's, and you can be satisfied with less versus just mindlessly just gobbling mm. up, which is very easy to do. Yeah. Like if you're chatting with people, like, you know, people are like drinking, eating, it's like just. So I think as much as we try to like keep you know, draw ourselves back to who we are, like our bring your energy back in instead of like being dependent on like, oh my God, like there's this to eat, then there's this. Just be like, okay, let's calm down. Like, you know, we live in a society where we can always eat really yummy things anyways. Mm. We're blessed in that way. So why do we have to just go nuts like today? Like, you know, we can, if I really want this, I can have this, like, yeah. you know, and and I think really appreciate, be grateful so you don't have that fear of missing out. Because I think that's a lot of people, they think that it's like the one time of the year they're going to eat or something <laughs> like this, right? Like, I don't oh know. Oh my God, it's so true. It, it's like you can eat without an excuse. It's that kind of feeling, right? You, yeah. And, and, you know, the more you're, you're mindful, again, the more you can um, 
appreciate it and be satisfied with less. I think that's mm. really big. And in terms of, um, I wanted to give a bit of, you mentioned your friend who can't get out of bed uh, because she overate. And, you know, I totally understand that. And I wanted to share from an Ayurvedic perspective. So typically the foods that we, we like to eat over the holiday are rich foods, like they're rich in salt and sugar and butter and fat. And it's very logical, like you can probably make that assumption is that these elements are very heavy, like they're like literally like they weigh a lot. Like if you were to look at, you know, um, starchy carbs, like all these yummy things, they have a sense of heaviness when you eat too much of them. And so one thing that we can do is to kind of shift that around by and, and, and I want to make sure that I, I explain that this is not to burn off the calories because I don't believe in that. Like if I don't believe in eating something and then going to the gym to burn it off. Oh, you don't? I don't because, first of all, that doesn't equal, like A doesn't equal B. Like just because you had a, like, let's say a cheeseburger, <laughs> which is 600 calories, the way it's acting within your body, the process is going through it doesn't mean that if you burn 600 calories off, that that is being cancelled out. Okay, but, but a lot of people believe that. I, I know. That's like 98% of yeah. the fitness industry. I mean, that's what we were trained to as well. Yeah. But the more you like, if you just like stick a bit, a little bit into your logic, you'll, you'll understand that calories aren't even created equal anyways. Like it's really the quality of what you're eating. If you want to go down like that explanation, yeah. um, you know, 100 calories of chips in a like, what do you call it? Potato chips yeah. or, no, but, are not the same as like a baked potato, for example, the way it acts in your body, the way it's going to be processed, broken down. Um, true. The first one will create toxicity in your body. So the whole... I don't do the whole burning out, but sorry, just to finish the point about um, the heaviness of, of rich foods that we're eating. A really great thing is to just like the weather is so amazing in Dubai right now. If you can just go out on a walk, you know, not being like, oh, I'm going to burn this off. I'm going to do like, you know, like run like, you know, 20, 20K or something. Just relax, get some sunshine. Um, get some movement, you will feel less heavy, you will feel less lethargic. Because the thing is, when you feel heavy, you want to eat more heavy. I don't know if that's happened to you. Like oh, when you're got, in the hole, totally. you want to just... <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and it's also that uh, tiredness. I've noticed, you know, when you're not well rested, I eat more to keep my energy levels up, especially if I'm working. And I notice it, I'm eating more just because I think that's going to keep me going. And it's probably because I've had a lack of sleep. Yeah, research shows that lack of sleep has a huge impact on um, how much you eat the next day and not just how much you eat, but what you're reaching for. So you will definitely be more snacking towards like sh uh, sugar and salty things because your body is just like, you know, you probably have higher um, cortisol, like you're, you're sleep deprived, like, you know, your body is just kind of in a survival kind of situation. Uh, yeah. So you won't make, you know, um, like good choices for yourself versus like a well-rested sleep. For but, sure. What What would you recommend having? Let's say this happens to me all the time, right? Because my body doesn't sleep before eleven thirty p.m. Right? I yeah, wish yeah. I wish I could sleep at ten, like my friends, get up at six and go to the gym. It's never going to happen, right? Yeah. I even did a breakfast show on the radio, and, and it never happened. I, I never got used to it <laughs> in England. So, if I'm peckish, like like just want a little bit, I don't want a whole meal. About nine thirty. What do you recommend at nine thirty p.m.? Um, like if you're feeling hungry, you want to snack some, yeah. snack on something. Um, well, it kind of depends. I, it's, it's like a bad answer, but it sort of depends on your situation. I think somebody like you, um, my question would be like, what are, what do you feel? What do you feel like eating when you're hungry? That would be Usually, my first question. Usually, um, 
it's things like cheese or a little bit of bread. Right. Um, the, those are the two things that I like to go for most more than anything, a toast so, or something. Yeah, so like hard cheeses or like cream cheese kind of stuff, like cheddar cheeses and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, cheddar cheese. Yeah, so those are like heavy to digest. But what I do is is <laughs> is I I have like just a little nibble and it kind of it kind of satisfies that little craving. I don't have a whole piece of cheese. Okay, brilliant. And that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong oh, with okay. that. I mean, that's as long as you're not having like half the the block, oh, you no. know. No, no, no. I it's like something just to satisfy that little small craving that I have and then I go to sleep very well brilliant I so, mean you know they said I don't need cheese before night time because it gives you bad dreams I've been doing it for years oh I do never not, heard about that do, do not believe the experts we'll be back with more from Honey <laughs> so I have a question for you um, you know like obviously when the weather gets a little bit cooler our body wants more warm things should we still be eating salads like cold stuff Absolutely not. You see, that's what I believe. That's mm. how I grew up as well. Tell us why. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, first of all, there's a there's a higher tendency of creating imbalance in your body, um, which could lead to some symptoms of of illness. For example, things like coughs and colds and asthma are very much linked to your diet. And we are like creatures of the earth, of the universe, and we are also cyclical. And there are things that are suiting us, just just like nature, you know. So we are not separate. Um, it's important that when we eat, when we choose fruits and vegetables, I know it's hard in Dubai, but try to go local as much as you can, um, because things that are imported from other regions will have a different, you know, weather, like, you know, all of that. And that does influence like on a micro level, it does influence your cells and your body and possibility of symptoms, because at the end of the day, we are made of what we eat. I was also told growing up never to drink Ice, ice cold drinks. Room temperature is always better. I don't know if that's an Indian thing, but... Yeah, yeah, 100% yeah. room temperature. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and also there's a thing about like how, um, uh, you know, it's just, it, it, it can solidify the fats. It can be less... Um, uh, how to say? Well, I'm trying to say something. Yeah, maybe shocking to the body. L- less shock. Yeah, exactly. That's shocking. And you know, our body is like a biological system. We want it to flow smoothly. Like in Ayurveda, we talk about channels of the body, like where the liquids go, the the sweat goes, the food goes, like in out. Like we're literally like channel, like rivers within our body. And so, if you kind of think of that like symbolically, we want things to be flowing nicely. So when you put like super cold or super burning stuff, it's not going to mix very well. Like we want to keep things like nice and stable. So yeah. Now we don't have much time, but this is a big thing because I still don't know enough about the gut health and does the gut actually affect how quickly we can lose weight or how easy it is? Yeah, so in Ayurveda and also in modern medicine, there's more and more research that shows that um, the a strong gut is the key to like good health. And the problem is when you see somebody, for example, if somebody has a lot of health issues, the first thing in Ayurveda that we look at is the gut, gut health. Because if you're Stomach. So in in Sanskrit we call it the the fire, like the agni. You might have you might agni, be familiar. I know agni. Yeah, yeah you probably, your grandma talk about it. Yeah. Like, so the, if your fire is strong, it's like an engine. Like anything you put in will be um, broken down, uh, as, absorbed, assimilated in the body. Like whatever food you put in, that's why like people can be eating like superfoods and expensive things, and they're not getting the benefits because their body is not breaking it down. It's just kind of um, you have a lot of 
undigested uh, bits going around in your body and that creates like blockages of channels, disease, um, like things can get quite serious. And so one thing when I look at clients who need to lose weight, it's not just the I'm, I'm obviously not I'm, I'm com- completely disconnected from the calories like I've explained to yeah. you like calories is not important to me what is important is what you're eating is it suiting your stomach like if your stomach is compromised meaning you have a lot of bloating you have a, like IBS or you have symptoms of you know discomfort are you eating the right foods if you're not eating the right foods then it's just going to make it worse so we always go to like easily digestible foods mm. for example like rice like rice porridge i'm not saying like you have to eat like a baby yeah. but like you know the more heavy rich oily things you you should maybe just um hold off for a while and like very acidic foods as well that can be like tomatoes and and stuff like that so um the key is to rekindle that fire if it's been out because of whatever environmental reasons or the food or the stress because remember we have a huge connection between the mind the brain and the gut so you know studies have showed that people with schizophrenia for example have a specific gut uh, microbiome like literally you could take it out put it in somebody else and they could get schizophrenia yeah so it's all like we're very like uh, we have to look at health and weight loss in a very holistic way. We can't separate. Mm. We can't say that just because you're going to the gym and eating right according to, you know, X, Y, Z influencers, then you're going to get the results that you want. Like it's so much more complicated, especially as females. We have like hormones, like even that in itself. That, that's a whole different show. <laughs> that's a whole different show. But yeah. Just to round it up. I mean, one thing I've really got into is eating a lot of kimchi. Any other advice for gut health that we can nibble on? Oh, well, kimchi, okay, fermented foods are, are good, but within moderation. So for some people, if they have too much fire energy, if they have too much heat energy in their body, yeah. um, that's not going to be good, too much uh, fermented food. So okay. even like things like pickles, like, you know, like achar and yeah. stuff like that, right? The Indian stuff. So you have to go easy on that. Um, one thing I can give, which is a very mild uh, sort of like home remedy, which works for a lot of people, especially if you have some kind of um, post-digestive issues like bloating, yeah. um, especially, it's like the biggest problem people have, is bef- so what you're going to do is take some cumin seeds. This is, this is my mom's recipe. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Really? Yeah, recipes. Cumin seeds, you're going to roast them for like five, six minutes on, yeah. a, like on, a, on a pan with no oil or anything. When you get that kind of fragrance, um, you let it cool down you what's it called ground grind Grind it it. and you have this fine powder and you would take one teaspoon and put half a teaspoon honey tell me that's what your mom told you yeah and we put it in water and you can either eat it you can either put it in water and drink it or mix it with the honey and eat it well see i mean you know we have to always look at the the old generations there's so much wisdom in that so if you have this um and you could even give this to children like it's so mild especially somebody recovering from a flu like my kids Mm -hmm. are all down right now at home so i try to give them that and they actually their taste buds came back because they're like we can't take like you know food tastes bad and this and that so it'll strengthen your digestive fire before eating so it'll it'll be more better prepared so to receive before, the f- before the you food. have it before yeah yeah okay. yeah you have it all right amazing food. tell me where can everybody find you on Instagram if they want to have a consultation with you yeah so my handle is at healthy honey so a healthy and then my name is h a n i y a all in one word okay thank you so much and I wish you a great happy new year thank you you too. So after yesterday, how's everybody's liver? 
That is all I'm saying. If you need some help, though, we have a doctor at hand with us. Dr. Kaiser Roger is a consultant in liver diseases, transplant hepatology, gastroenterology and advanced endoscopy. The fact that I said all three of them correctly, doctor, I'm almost a doctor myself. Did I say that right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Those are hard words. But just tell everybody, I mean, we take so much for granted when it comes to our organs. What's the actual function of the liver? So the liver is a very complex organ. I mean, I think it's the largest organ in the body and has the maximum number of functions. It's I didn't based, know that. Yeah, it has over a thousand functions. So it's, it, it is important, important for metabolism, digestion, storage. It secretes a lot of hormones, albumin, proteins, uh, protective antibodies. It stores uh, iron, vitamin A, fat, glycogen. Do we even need a heart and a kidney if we've got the (laughs) liver and it's doing everything for us? How do we know if we have a healthy liver? What are some of the signs our body will show that it's good? Yeah, so that's, that's, I think, a very important question because the liver is such a big organ and such a robust organ that you won't have a symptom of liver disease till your liver is almost 80 to 85% damaged. So, so it's important to have uh, have checks, you know, uh, for for your liver periodically, especially if you are at risk for liver disease. For example, the three most common risk factors I tell my patients for liver disease in today's modern society are excessive alcohol, obesity, and diabetes. Mm. So, if you have any of these, then then you you must assume that you're risk you are at risk for liver disease and get get optimal checks for that, which involves uh, a blood test, which involves certain special scans. And, and and sometimes just really, I mean, if you're very high, for example, if you're all three, if you're a diabetic, you're obese and you drink moderate alcohols, so you don't even need to drink a lot of alcohol to have liver disease. If you're a diabetic and obese and you drink even moderate alcohol, yeah. uh, which is like weekends, heavy drinking and the rest of the week you may not be drinking, still you're at very high risk for liver disease. And believe me, here again, there's a problem because even your liver tests and ultrasound scan may be normal or show just fatty liver. So essentially, it's about risks for liver disease. If you are at risk for liver disease, then better, you know, think about getting evaluation for liver disease. But but you're saying that it can be much later, like 80% into a health issue where your liver will start giving you signs. What what kind of signs, though, should we look out for? Let's say if it is getting bad, will we? is it the way we may, like, go to the bathroom and urinate? Is it the way, you know, we may feel where our liver is? What? So the earliest symptoms would be nonspecific, fatigue, loss of appetite, some weight loss, and then you might notice some itching of the skin or yellowing of your urine, you know, darkening of your urine. Okay. You could get some swelling in your legs or some distension of your belly. Uh, but these, again, you know, they are very advanced signs of liver disease. The earliest signs are actually quite nonspecific, like fatigue, loss of appetite, uh, maybe just loss of muscle bulk or easy, you know, you start exercising and you, don't, you lose stamina to exercise your usual self. So signs are very subtle and it can be really mistaken or confused with many other diseases. Yeah. If, let's say, somebody in your family has had um, health issues with their liver or liver disease, is it genetic or is it purely lifestyle? Very good question. This is, this is the point because not every alcoholic uh, will develop liver disease. It's bad to say that alcohol is going to spoil all our livers. I mean, alcohol, people drink all over, but only a, only a small number, I would say about 10 to 15 percent, develop significant liver disease. So your genetics and your family history plays a very important role. Mm. And that's true for other forms of liver disease, whether it's obesity-related or diabetes-related, or we have a fourth cause of liver disease called viral hepatitis, hepatitis B and C. So not everyone with a risk factor develops liver disease. We need to identify who is at risk for liver disease. Mm. Yeah. So King's is focusing... Um, very intensively now on liver issues because you've got a dedicated liver centre. Is that correct? Oh yes, I mean Kings uh, in London. You know, as 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 legacy goes, is very well known for for liver diseases. 
you know and it was uh, our 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 honorable first president sheikh zaid who gave um, uh, a reasonable sum of money to establish the king's liver center in london way back in the 1970s and that liver center is now uh, renowned as one of the best in the world with amazing amount of research in liver diseases uh, liver transplantation liver failure so so the one of the ideas of establishing king's college hospital in dubai uh, is to is to spread that um, that sort of expertise mm. uh, in other parts of the world take that sort of expertise and that sort of research and of course uh, clinical care for liver disease and of course also to establish liver transplantation so we have been working on that for the past 5 years since 2019 that we started kings in dubai and and, and thankfully fortunately to a, an effort of a lot of people a lots of help from the dubai health authority from ministry of health and prevention and lots of other amazing people we were able to establish a liver transplant center the first one in dubai and we did our first transplant about uh, about 3 and a half weeks ago and how did that go like what what was the situation so so it went off very well you know thankfully it was a straightforward transplant and the patient did very well the patient was in the intensive care or for just one day after the transplant and discharged on the 10th wow. day after transplant i mean usually patients do stay for 2 to 3 weeks but this was uh, this was exceptional and and, and this uh, this this patient was a middle aged lady and she had something called autoimmune hepatitis which is another reason for liver disease a rarer cause of liver disease apart mm. from the ones i mentioned and and she she over a period of time developed liver failure sometimes in this condition you although in autoimmune hepatitis you can control liver disease with with medication but sometimes you do land up with liver failure and do need a liver transplant so she was from a country where transplantation is not available wow in fact she was from a country where there is huge conflict going on so it would be it would have been very difficult for her to travel elsewhere for a transplant so she was very fortunate that she could have a have a liver transplant in our facility is it difficult finding donors that are compatible so this is uh, this is something to understand liver transplantation is of two types the, the the more common one done all over the world is something called disease donor transplantation in disease donor transplantations uh, these are brain death victims uh, uh, of accident or 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 head injuries or 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 let's say uh, stroke uh, patients who unfortunately have brain death and 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 once they are brain dead and their families consent to donate their organs these organs are then then procured and 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 you know so you're saying like maybe if somebody's in a coma where their organs are still still functioning exactly so mm. so there's a slight difference between coma and coma you're still having a um, you know some certain intact brain stem functions so that typically does not classify as brain dead you can say a more more deeper form of uh, injury to the brain where the brain absolutely stops functioning and you're completely dependent on life support mm. that's a condition what we what we call brain death state and there's a specific way to test for it it's the icu doctors and and that 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 thing again has amazingly grown in uae thanks to again the efforts of the ministry of health you know and certain very bright individuals in that in that department which has spread the message of of how to diagnose and test uh, brain uh, brain death in these patients and only once you declare them brain dead then your their families can be approached because there there is a legal way to do it and there there are laws which permit us to do that yeah and is anyone's healthy liver compatible for another person's liver yeah so so it's, it's different for different organs but uh, to be to be very specific for liver disease it's usually the blood group which which needs to be I same so, yeah. yeah we don't do any sort of tissue matching which is done a bit for let's say kidney transplantation but in liver it's just the blood group if the blood group matches then usually the liver uh, can be transplanted of course the donor's liver should also not be diseased so if the yes, don't don't if the donor yeah. uh, himself or herself was was diabetic and obese yeah. it, it could have been a fatty liver and then we would have different difficulty in transplanting that liver into someone else okay yeah. and any final top tips that you do to keep your liver healthy so 
so i would say don't don't think that that your liver is healthy unless until you have tested for it and there's no age i would recommend that but when you're doing a lot of health checks nowadays everyone does an executive health check at mid 30s and 40s yeah and if you if you do a medical health check yeah. won't it show up in the blood so, test so so you do do blood test i'm not saying that blood test would not pick up so any slightest abnormality of liver function test should be a, a red flag and that should be investigated mm. but i would still say that if you are a diabetic if you are obese let's say a bmi of more than 28 um a diabetes more than 5 years or if you think that you drink uh, a bit more than uh, mild to moderate alcohol i won't quantify that number but but if you do think that you are in that category then you must assume that you you may be having liver disease and it's it's worthwhile to have a check okay, by visiting amazing. a doctor yeah. so uh tell everybody where they can find you if they ever want to come and talk to you about the get their liver checked i'll just google my name kaiser <laughs> and you'll find me but i'm at king's college hospital every day Uh, Monday to Friday yeah. Okay yeah. Dr Kaiser Roger thank you so much and I I wish you a happy and healthy new year. Thank you so much for inviting us on your show and and helping us share the information about liver disease and transplantation. Thank hey, you so much. Anytime. Yeah. So about 2 weeks ago I was invited um by some lovely PR friends of mine at Umami to come to uh check out an African restaurant that's been around for a long time actually in Dubai uh called Kiza. I'd never been there before but I'd heard a lot about it. Um and I turned up and um one of the girls Kelly from Umami said, "Oh, come and meet Joe." So Joe sat next to me and I, I didn't I was on my own on a table because I was waiting for my friend to come. Joe didn't leave for 3 hours. <laughs> And I thought to myself, I need to get him on the show. So here he is, <laughs> Joe um, Asawaya. He's the CEO and owner of Kiza African Restaurant. But it doesn't stop there. He is what he likes to call a serial entrepreneur, and he's ventured into all industries from hospitality, telecom, and even oil and gas. How you doing, Joe? Hello, Punam. <laughs> Happy to see me. Oh, so so excited to see you. Well, the show is actually three hours, but I'm only giving you half an hour today. Oh, I thought I was going to stay here six. No, no, I think we can <laughs> spread it out over the next few weeks with you, okay. half an hour at a time. T- tell everybody. Um, I mean, I found you very interesting, and I think one of the things that I liked about you is I'm not going to tell everybody what we talked about because a lot of it was very personal, but. Um, You know, you talked about a lot of things that I could relate to as you get older, the things you might regret, the things that you look back on, how they've made you wiser. So I wanted to bring you on as an entrepreneur to give some tips and to give some life lessons because I had a lot of texts after I posted a picture of you and me from one or two guys who said I know Joe and he's so wise. He's such a nice person. I was like, yeah, I don't think his wife would say that, but <laughs> you boys <laughs> might say that, right? So tell everybody a little bit about your upbringing in Nigeria and who firstly inspired your entrepreneurial spirit. Hi. Um I'm so delighted to be here. Um compliments of the season everybody. in the season of christmas um my name is joe osawaye i'm nigerian i moved to the uae about 11 years ago okay um i came here first in 2005 and i fell in love with the place um after moving my kids to um canada toronto i decided to move to dubai in um 2013 and i've been here um since then enjoying my stay um and um doing the different things i do here Um I grew up in Nigeria um spent my childhood in Nigeria my um schooling age to university in Nigeria um such a boisterous country with over 200 million plus people wow very very happy people very dynamic people um 
Inspiration. I got most of my inspiration from my dad. Was he an entrepreneur? Um, he later became an entrepreneur. He was a chartered accountant. Uh, mama was um, first in the military, and then she got into business as well. So, um, so you I had strong parents to look up to. Oh, most definitely. Um, a lot of what I have become today has been what I tapped from dad and mom. Uh, mom left the military, go into business as well. Um, and that's where I grew up. I started from an early age. Uh, Mama had a bakery that supplied um, a lot of stores at that time, departmental stores at that time. And we were introduced to starting to earn money from early age where we participated in the bakery, woke up early to help Mama get things ready. How much did you get paid from Mama? Um, we got chocolates. Oh, no, Mama knows what she's doing. Well, yeah, no we got, money, we, just we got, chocolates. We got chocolates. And at yeah. that age, you're like, yeah. Yes, exactly. We're, we're so excited to do all the work that she gives us. If you did just have money. Just to get money, some, um, some Cadbury um, bags. But the thing is, if she did give you, let's say, you know, some money, a dollar or whatever it is, you would have gone and bought chocolates anyway. So. Most definitely. So what was your first venture as an entrepreneur? Um, I started selling cars. I used to go buy cars from um, Germany, from Hamburg. Um, Mercedes-Benz cars um, shipped it to Nigeria and um, so how much profit were you making if you first of all you're spending a flight to there then you're shipping costs then you're bringing it is it because there was a lack of German cars uh, in Nigeria no not a lack of German cars but we were um, dealing in the second-hand market yeah and we used to get about 10 to 15 cars so when you work out the the math from one or two cars, you've, you paid for your hotel, you paid for your um, traveling expenses, and mm. then the rest is probably making a profit out of um, the rest of the cars. I was working with Dad. I was the GM of the company. Yeah. Dad was the CEO then, and that's how we uh, partnered before I went on my own tangent. So what, where did your tangent take you next? It took me to manage services in telecoms. Okay. Yeah, so um, I have a company which I set up over almost 20 years ago. Uh, what we do, we look after the base stations that run the GSM technology phones cut across Nigeria. So, okay. So, you, I know you've traveled and you've lived in different countries. We've discussed this when we, we, we met. Um, let's talk about Kiza a little bit. You opened this over a decade ago, is that right? Correct. And I, and I remember when I came 16 years ago, there, I don't even know if there was African restaurants here at all, to be honest with you, let alone Korean restaurants, you know. Was that or was yours the first? No, we are actually the first. You we, were the first. We started a whole African movement in the UAE. Yeah. Why did you decide to open it? Was it because the African community was slowly growing or it's something that you wanted to satisfy for yourself to provide that kind of food from your home country? The two reasons. The African community was growing. Mm. There was no place we could call ours. And um, we are not too adventurous when it comes to food. We like our kind of food. Staple, basic. Staple, yeah. basic food. Yeah. Um, so we, we saw so the So you don't meat. like Indian food? What do you say? You don't like Indian food? It's similar. We so have I, I just want to know so I don't have to take you out for dinner. That's all joke. That, that's oh, no, yeah. You've, you've tried African food. Yeah, but you I just... Will take, I will take your offer. Come try some Indian food. Yeah, I'll, get you, I'll, get, I'll take you to the street market. They're much cheaper as well. You're, <laughs> you're like fine dining. And it's tastier. It's tastier. That's what I found out. The street food is actually... It's the best. Ha- the best. It is the best. You know? Yeah. So Always as I was good. saying, um, the African community was growing mm. and there was no place we could call ours where we could... Um, find our community, our food, our music. Mm. And that's how um, Kiza started. You're now in uh, the DIFC area, the financial centre area, and that's where I met you two weeks ago. Um, 
when I walked in, it did feel like even the staff, like they're all from different uh, countries, different areas. A lot of them are from Africa, but it just feels very like family orientated. How do you as an entrepreneur, you know, get a team bonding session? How do you choose your staff to make that atmosphere? Because they all look like they're enjoying themselves as much as we were. So that's the big thing for us. Um, We're like a family. Mm. We got um, 26 nations represented under the Kiza brand. Um, you introduced me as the chief executive officer, CEO. Actually, I'm the CIO, the chief inspiration officer. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so um, we've created like a family kind of business. Everybody looks out for everybody in the business. Um, mm. The biggest part for us is attitude. I say the the primary customers you have are your employees. When you look after them, create an amiable environment where they can flourish, then it's easy for them to sell to or share with all the customers who, are, mm. who we call the secondary customers um, the, the whole experience. Yeah. And it's funny because like um, there's a Turkish restaurant that I go to. And one of the biggest reasons I go to is because of the owner. He reminds me of you. I want to go because I want to see him. He, he just feels so friendly and inviting. And I think it's the person behind the restaurant and the staff that work that, that make you want to go back, sometimes more than so than the food. True. It's the experience. It's so the how, energy. It's the vibrancy of the space. But you're not... Do you hang out there all the time at Kiza just in case anyone's here going, I want to meet Joe? No, what what I've tried to do is to clone myself in the rest <laughs> of... <laughs> Oh, there's like Kanye West. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Clone myself so that every and every single person you meet in Kiza carries that same energy that I carry. It's just... Um making them also become the muse of the of the space. Yeah, well, we're yeah. going to talk about Joe's energy and get some top tips if you're looking to open your own business. So don't go anywhere. So with me is a man called Joe. He's the CEO and owner of Kiza African Restaurant. Only met him about two weeks ago. And we had such a nice conversation um, just about his life. It, it lasted three hours. I've never seen a man talk so much in my life. It's usually me. But I thought he'd be perfect <laughs> to bring on. I'm only teasing you. Listen, you know, um, as an entrepreneur, like, how do you... Look, there's loads of restaurants here. Let's say somebody wants to start in F&B. How do you stand out from the crowd? What are some of the, you know, the things you need to consider before opening any kind of business, would you say? Um, I think the first thing is you've you got to have um, passion for what you want to do. You've got to be original and authentic. Um, the way I look at it, nobody can be as original as Joe. It's the same with business. Um, every business has its own identity which you must stick stick to. Otherwise, you'll be um, moving towards an area of weakness. Um, you got to be unique. you got to understand the market and see where you can bring value um, to a market. Um, lots of restaurants are already in, in, in the city. More are coming and more will come to come. So it's just being original and authentic and bringing um, value and some kind of diversity and uh, authenticity to, to, to the marketplace. You've had a lot of well-known people come to your restaurant. Can you name drop a few? Um, Apart from me. <laughs> I was going to start with you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> My superstar. <laughs> no, a lot of like you know um, Afro Caribbean, like no, sorry, Afro beat, you know, Afrobeat artists. artists oh, um, as I said earlier, earlier on, um, we were the first to start this whole Afrobeat uh, movement. So all uh-huh. the big names you hear globally now. And we, we brought them to Dubai. Wow, from, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. From um, Bonaboy to Whiskey to Davido. Davido has been here several times. Yeah, he's after been here us. too, yeah. Yes. Um, you, you, from so East you, Africa, so West you know, Africa. You know them all. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> what, what do you say are the, some of the biggest mistakes or challenges you've come across as an entrepreneur? Um, sometimes I'm a little bit hasty. I want it like yesterday. But I think it's that, um, it's that drive I, in, I get that. in me. Yeah I, yeah, I I want it done like yesterday. Um, some things take time. Uh, you must let time go by. Have you learned with age that you have to be more patient? Because my biggest thing is patience as well. Um, I've not just learned um, patience. I've also learned long-suffering, which yeah. is another level of patience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's funny because after our conversation, I did think a lot about a lot of the things you were saying. And, you know, I've always said that people will say, oh, there's nothing I, I regret. But I kind of actually don't agree with that. There's a lot of things, not a lot, but a few things I wish I'd done differently or considered differently or approached differently. And we talked about this as well. So, and we talked about carrying guilt. You know, sometimes there's a lot of guilt and I carry some of it for certain personal reasons. How do you, because you always have a, when I've met you, you have a positive energy. It doesn't mean you haven't been through hardships in life because you have. True. How do you carry that guilt forward without weighing it you down on a daily basis? What advice would you give us? Um, I've learned that life, we're, we're, we're all humans and um There'll be failures along along the way and along the journey. Um, but the ability to see failure as a positive thing and to be able to learn from it is what I have um, ab- adopted mm. over, over the years. Um, without the failures, you cannot be the unique person you are today. So um, I try not to take it too internally, but to just understand that, you know what, it's part of the process. Yes, it's difficult. No one says pain. There's no pain. There's pain, but how you handle it will determine if it will be much more painful or you'll be able to handle it um, much better. So I've, I've just looked at life as a learning process. Mm. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. And when you don't, um, learn from it and try not to make the same mistakes all over and all over again. What's your next goal or your next adventure? Oh, for me, um, a couple of days I uh, will be celebrating my 55th uh, yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about this. 55 <laughs> years old, right? In a no, few 55 days. years young. 55, oh, there you go. See, that, that's the affirmation we need. And he sends, he sends me an invite and it says, I think it was like, let's say 10 p.m. till dawn. I'm like, Joe, who stays up till dawn? The last time I did that was probably 20 years ago in Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're going to do it this time in Kiza. I'll meet you for breakfast. I'll get up early and come and meet you for breakfast. That's crazy. Yeah, so it's your birthday this Saturday. That's a big celebration. Yeah. And what you. about work? Anything new opening? Any more ventures, business adventures you see? Oh, yes. We um, did a lot of changes this year, um, 2023. Um and we've sown a lot of seeds in different directions. We think going into 2024, these seeds will start to germinate and um, we'll be able to expand both locally and we're looking at taking the brand um, outside the GCC oh, as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Where would you like to take it? Um, first of all, starting from Saudi, 
would right. like to go to Saudi. Nice. Yeah. That's interesting. And Correct. are there any African restaurants open there at all? Um, I think so. One or two. We we are unique because we are um, all the countries under one roof. Yeah. Yeah. You have individual countries um, setting up um, with individual cuisine, but mm. we are like the AU, the African Union for Food there and Culture. Go. Oh, there you go. Well, Joe <laughs> is actually seriously. He really is. You should meet him. So you can meet. You can if you do want to meet him, go to Kiza. He'll be hanging around there, and uh, make sure you book three hours in your time. But you don't, you don't talk to everybody for three hours. It's just because we had a connection. I'm assuming. Most definitely, we just connected. I'm you just know? trying to compliment myself here <laughs> and not feel like special. I'm trying to feel special. This you is, you are special. Oh, thank. Yeah. yeah, in many ways. Yeah. Joe, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Thank you very it. much. Thank you um, very much for having me. And tell me. everyone where they can find Kiza if they want to come and try the food. Um, we're situated at the DIFC, um, the Emirates Financial Towers building on the ground floor. Um, come for your culture and then you stay for the vibe. Yeah. Have um, a good one. Welcome to the show, Nalisha. We just rushed you in. We were talking to her and then I was like, we're going to go on air. How are you? Hi, good afternoon. I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Now, now tell me a little bit about Nalisha, um, Nalisha Bridles. It's a baby. It's just opened, what, two months ago? Yes. So, well, honestly, I've been working on Nalisha Bridles since forever. Because uh, if you have a concept, an idea, and to bring it to life, it takes a while. So, yes, I've been working on it since maybe two years ago, wow. something that I wanted to create. But then I thought to myself, you know, everything involves risk. And if I want to do something, it's better to do it now. Can I ask and what were you doing before? Well, I'm still doing. I'm a cabin crew as well. Oh, amazing. <laughs> There's so many cabin crew people who are doing so much yeah. on the side. So tell everybody about it, first of all. Why it's slightly different to other bridal designers and companies? So with Nalisha Bridals, we focus on create, we focus on sustainability. So I feel like brides, um, they spend so much money. They spend so much time on this one beautiful dress that they want to wear on the big day. But then again, after spending thousands of dirhams, thousands of dollars on something, why not be able to wear it even after your wedding? I, you know? I totally agree with yes. you. I, to- I know I know. Like people do save it to pass it on to their, their daughters, but sometimes the daughter's like, I'm not wearing that. It's like I know. <laughs> 30 years out of fashion, and then you have to change it anyway. So let, let's talk about eco-friendly friendly and sustainability. Is that something that you're quite passionate about? Uh, yes, uh, because I feel like we have to give back to the envir- to the world that we live in. And of course, if you can make the same thing in a better way, some something that helps to uh, give back to the environment and the world that we live in. I feel like that. Why not? I once saw a pair of trainers and they were made out of plastic bottles and obviously they were softened and you could not tell at all. Sure. So, so let's talk about the fabrics that you use. Like what do you use to make them? Um, are they from old garments, old wedding dresses? Is it bamboo? Tell me. So the garments, uh, we use a combination of fabrics so some of them are natural which can be easily biodegradable uh, which are easily biodegradable and we also have the recycled and upcycle garments like how you said some of them you wouldn't realize it when you touch and you feel it but they are made out of recycled plastic bottles yeah or uh, there are some that has been like uh, created by using 
dead stock, something that would have gone for waste. So that way we help to save the environment and save um, the chemical processes that goes goes on in order to create a fabric or something. Uh, let me ask you about um, price point, because prices can be extortionist, right? Yes. So, for example, wedding dresses, some in the UAE can vary between 10,000 dirhams and 300,000 dirhams upwards, I'm sure. Yes. You know, you get some wedding dresses now on like Amazon, online, on Sheen, all these kind of, what, what do you think of those those kind of, you know, fast fashion? So, uh, for me, uh, well, of course, you have options everywhere. You have options for something that is cheaper and options for like, it can be very expensive and but, even like but we've also, like, I, I know when organic, um, you know, clothes, eco-friendly clothes first came out many, many years ago, yes. even bed sheets, my sister would go and buy them and her husband's like, this is so expensive. So how do we compare the price of, let's say, your wedding dresses to others? Is it more expensive or is it pr- practically the same? Well, uh, it comes like somewhere in the middle because it, honestly, yes, organic Organic as well as recycled fabrics, they are expensive mm-hmm. because to uh, we believe in uh, giving the proper care to it, proper attention. So uh, we are more um, clear about who we give money to, or like you know, especially when it comes to people who who are creating mm. uh, the dresses for us, we make sure that they are paid fairly and everything. So this all comes under sustainability. So we are not sustainable just in terms of the fabrics we use, but we also make sure that the people who create the clothes are being paid fairly. So yes, you do. It will be more expensive than fast fashion, but also I want the prices to be reasonable. So the prices normally they have an average around uh, 6,000 dirhams at the moment. That, that's not bad. Yes. I mean, I know a lot of the younger generation, you know, they have, um, they, they do think a lot about, you know, the climate change and everything. What has been some of the feedback? Have you had any younger brides come in and say, I definitely want a dress that's going to help the planet? Well, I feel the younger generation, they are more aware of this. Mm. And uh, they are, they are like, for this movement. So I yes, I do have people who come uh, who come forward and say like this is a very good initiative because uh, like I told you before bridal wear is something like people buy spend so much money and uh, uh, they buy something and then after that it's just there in a cupboard or it's maybe you donate it to someone or you feel like some uh, one of your uh, daughters or your grandkids they will wear it someday but you know why not you yourself wear it someday, even after your wedding. Uh, and have you dressed a bride yet? Because I know it's a new company. Yes, it is. Yes, I did. I've dressed. Uh, actually, the first bride I dressed, that's even before I formed the company, was my best friend. So, and, what, and what was the dress made out of? Uh, that dress was made out of recycled plastic bottles. Really? Yes. <laughs> that's incredible. So it was the same fabric that we used. That's crazy. Yes. And And... and uh, what I mean, what can you describe it to me? Like, was it very long, flowing? Well, no, it was a very simple dress that we made. Uh, yeah. uh, she, it was for a court marriage, actually. Okay. And uh, she wanted uh, a short wedding dress because for, uh, she thought she'd wear the the long one for her for her real wedding and the church. Yeah. Which uh, so for the court marriage, I made a dress for her, and that was the first ever bridal dress I made. I think that's really cool. I mean. Um, 
It's the first time I've heard of it, to be honest with you, sustainable, you know, and eco-friendly yes. bridal wear. Um, any wedding dress trends that you're seeing for 2024, whether it's designs, shapes, anything like that, that people are coming to you? Because you have to stay, you st- staying sustainable is one thing, but you have to still stay with the trends, don't you? Of course, of course. So in 2023, the trends were mo- mostly like sleeves and uh, like huge sleeves, big sleeves. I think uh, now we're also going to the trend where a lot of uh, brides, they they go for not just a big ball gra- ball gown look but they also want something that is simple sleek chic and uh, also a lot of uh, brides are wearing short dresses like that's been more welcome yeah. Right now. yeah, I think like a transforming. Remember those little cars that the kids had, transformers? You can transform a dress into anything oh, yes, as well. Oh, yes, That's also. That's what you that's need. Been, yes. Yeah, we yes. can make it short if you want to go out, put yeah. a black jacket on. No, no, True. I get it. I think it's great. Mm. Well, I wish you all the best. Thank if, you so much. If there's a bride out there listening, a wannabe bride, well, not a wannabe, a going to be bride, a potential bride. Yeah, we all want to be brides. Um, where can they find you? Like, can they come and have a proper consultation, a fitting? Yes, of course. So we are available online. Our website is uh, nellyshabridal.ae and we also have an Instagram account. But then uh, if you're in Dubai, if you're in UAE, you can always book a consultation with us. You can have either, uh, you can visit us in our office mm-hmm. or you can also have an online consultation. Okay. Well, if you want more information, uh, just send me a text on 4001 and just write, I am a bride. Or just write bride, it's fine. Don't need to get too <laughs> too confusing. <laughs> and uh, I will give you Nalisha Bridal's uh, full details. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much um, for having me. And I'm assuming you're going to get married one day in a sustainable well, dress of your own. Hopefully. Yes, yeah. I will. Yeah. If I get married in my own dress. For yes, sure. for sure. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.